All right, let's get started, and uh, let's start right now, Matt, with starting with the end in mind. So, uh, you know, people jump into business and don't really, you know, they think, hey, I want to start a business, or hey, I have a problem I want to solve. But uh, I was on a call the other day, and I'm not going to say names because I really liked her. She was a potential prospect, and I was asking her questions um, like I always do about, you know, what are what are your five-year goals, right? Where do you see your business in five years? If, if this is successful in five years, where, you know, what does it look like? And she's like, oh, I, I really don't know. And I said, well, what about one year, right? Um, and she couldn't even tell me up to six months. Like wasn't thinking thinking advanced, was basically just thinking, here's what I want to do today. And that blew my mind. I was like, how, how can you operate life, let alone a business like that? Um, what, what are some things that you've seen with, with your clients? Because I know you deal with this a lot more than I do. And, um, you know, I'd be interested to hear your take. Yeah, yeah. So and, and kind of what that sounds like. So when you don't have a plan, how do you know what to measure up against, right? And it's not always just about having a plan, but just going through the planning process. You know, planning is a verb. It's something you should do continuously, not mm-hmm. just one time. Um, because what you described there, if you don't have, like, a business plan – or at least a direction. It's kind of like running your business like with stream of consciousness, right? It's just wherever wherever it's going, you're going to go, right? And so whatever the topics on that's on your mind, you're going to dive into. Um, but I'm trying to think of which book I first came across this concept. I I, I mean I, I learned about it in in other contexts, but I didn't realize it until I think it was like a, either like a Jim Rohn book or. Um, uh, Stephen Covey, and he mentions you know start with the end in mind. But uh, I think that uh, I think even Patrick Bet David his is, uh, his version of it is something like you want to think like a, a chess master, right, or grandmaster, right, where you want to think you know. Um, I think the analogy he gives is you know the average an amateur never played chess thinks like one move ahead. Um, a decent player probably looks two to three moves ahead. Uh, an amateur, a true amateur, is probably looking five to seven moves ahead. You know, uh, an expert chess player, maybe not a grandmaster, is like seven to eight moves ahead, right? And a grandmaster is looking like ten moves plus, right? They are looking so far into what the ne- the next steps are, and it's not just like one line of attack. They're looking at multiple variations of multiple different types of attacks, going ten moves out, and that's what separates an amateur from a pro. Well, let's apply that same type of concept, which is start with the end in mind. If you know ultimately that you want to have a business that is sellable, right, which is different than than other businesses, right? Uh, If your business is not sellable, you just own a job. And the probability that you actually sell your business is probably actually very low. So you'd be surprised to learn that around 80% of businesses in the, what's called the, the lower market, so uh, 5 million in revenues or below, probability that your business sells is like less than 20%. Wow. You know, so not very probable, no. which is actually what takes up like almost 80% of small businesses. And I don't like to call them small businesses because it, it implies that they are um, not doing something big. But that, that's that's really not the case. I'm just using kind of the definition most people would go by, mm-hmm. uh, what most people think about it on a small business. Now, uh, you can look at this concept a couple different ways. Um, 
ultimately, and this is from a different book. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, it's something like like think like the Rockefellers, and that book mm-hmm. was there's kind of like three different types of businesses. You have mice, you have gazelles, and you have elephants. Right, and whether you're a mice, an elephant, or a gazelle is irrelevant. All elephants start, you know, started as mice at one point, right? So there's always some, uh, there's a, a progression to growing to be the biggest in your field. But all elephants started off as gazelles, right? They didn't, they didn't just start off as the biggest. They had to be more nimble, mm-hmm. uh, medium-sized businesses. Right, and, and mice are the smallest, but they are ultimately the most nimble. They can go in any direction that they choose, right? So, whether your uh, your business is small like a mouse, or or nimble, or bigger like a, a gazelle, or you're a behemoth like an elephant, the reality is, some business at some point, unless you're like the apples or Googles or on the bleeding edge of a certain type of technology, almost every business problem has been solved before. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, you think about your industry, there's probably someone who's bigger than you, which means that they've probably solved any problem that you've encountered before. Now, why am I kind of going on on this tangent? Well, it goes to starting with the end in mind. If you know that that you want to be able to have a business that can exit, that can sell, that you can make seven, eight, nine times your revenue paid out to you, which I think that's like every entrepreneur's dream, right? You build a business, it gets mm-hmm. to the point where uh, you could get paid for seven, eight, nine, ten years worth of, of work. You get it all up front. Uh, you could literally go on a ten-year vacation. Well, after taxes, let's call it a six-year vacation, and yeah. you, you're right back where you started, right? So mm-hmm. most people would love to take a six-year vacation, much uh, less just a one-month vacation, right? So. The, the point is, if you want that kind of business, then you need to, if you have that, you need to have that vision to say that I want to be able to exit and either sell, sell the business, uh, scale it, continue just, just scaling it and operating as the chairman, um, or you want to be able to pass it down to your heirs. And that's where kind of generational wealth building uh, comes into play. Well, then you need your business to be built in such a way that it is sustainable, mm-hmm. right? And so if you don't have that envision in mind, you might make decisions differently today than if you wanted to have that scalability built into it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's where this comes from. So when I mentioned in the intro podcast, you know, I want to be a financial advisor. I always knew growing up my dad's been an advisor for 30-plus years. I always knew that I wanted to get into – personal finance is just kind of in my DNA, so to speak, right? Very passionate about it. Well, um, right after college was, you know, where we're still recovering from the 2008 financial crisis. There was literally zero finance jobs there, period, right? The industry was a shadow of its former self. So to get into that industry, I knew that I I wasn't going to be able to jump directly into it. I needed to get skills that transferred directly to it. So I started in investment real estate, right? Okay. Doing all the investment analysis for some uh, investment uh, brokers. Mm-hmm. And so that's a very transferable skill. So again, having that vision, knowing in the end I wanted to get into you know being a financial advisor, that's just one example of 
okay, the decision is I need to create skills that get me into that type of role, right? But same thing for a business, right? Again, if you want to have a business that can, you know, you could sell for a multiple, well, you need to make decisions that are going to help you create that value. Mm-hmm. So go let's, um, well, well, and, uh, so, and I, I, I know we've talked about this, you know, off, uh, off air before, but, uh, a lot of people will hear you talking about selling their business and just completely check out because maybe they have some sort of, you know, they want to pass it down to a child. They want to, you know, do something else with it. Um, so, uh, what would you say to the people who are like, well, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not going to sell my business. Yeah. Absolutely. That's probably one of the most common things I hear, actually. I'm not looking to sell my business. And here's the thing. Having this type of strategy is good business strategy. Having the power to make that decision gives you the ultimate form of leverage. So knock on wood, let's say something happens to you, right? And they call it the the five Ds, death, disability, divorce, um, the other two will come to me in a minute, but you kind of get the idea, right, that something can happen to you and you may be forced into a situation that is not optimal for you and your family. So mm-hmm. let's just say disability, right? You got in a car accident and you're unable to perform your duties. Well, it's very risky then that your business uh, may not be able to operate or function without you, much less grow without you. And because of that, your business may actually tank and fail, right? Mm-hmm. So by having a valuable business, one that is able to be sold, is actually good, prudent personal finance for your, your family. It's good for your employees. It's good for your uh, people that you work with, your suppliers. This is just good business strategy for everyone involved. So whether you're considering you know selling your business in five to 10 years down the line, or you're literally a startup, Having this as part of your your plan is actually probably one of the best things you could do for your business because it will actually give you and your family the security that you guys need to be able to have options. And again, it's not about mm-hmm. that you want to sell your business tomorrow. Uh, most people I know, you know, there's also a saying it's called a business worth selling is a business worth keeping, right? Mm-hmm. So you might just want to keep that thing, and that's good. But again. How can you uh, – family transitions, people think, oh, I'm just going to sell this or pass this down to my kids. They may not want your business, right? Or they may not have the expertise to, to run your business. In fact, the, the statistics on family transitions are not much better than selling to, to a third party. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's like in, in two generations, like only 30% less than 30% of those businesses survive. So, wow. So the probability is it's not going to go to your children and your children's children like you hope or, or wish. Yeah. You know, and there's actually a great book called Every Family's Business that uh, a guy talks about that where his family business, he sold it to create his own business. And mm-hmm. it actually really talks about the importance of every generation being able to choose what they want to do, right? If you mm-hmm. farmers are, for example, are really hurting right now, not every kid wants to grow up to be a farmer. Some of those kids that grow up on farms do. Some, mm-hmm. uh, many of them don't. Right. 
So what happens in situations like that where you thought all along you were going to pass the farm down to the kids and now, you know, there's a really big crisis actually in farmers that I think the average age of farmers are like 61 right now. Um, And the thing is people are retiring later. They're living longer. And so there's an entire generation of farmers that haven't yet inherited their parents' property but their parents need that money for retirement or to, or to start easing into it. So um, try not trying to get, be, get off the beaten path, but uh, <laughs> just hitting home that it's really important to think about this in your business uh, from day one. And then even if it's not part of day one, anytime, AKA today is a good day to start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Have you, um, have you ever seen an elephant at like a circus uh, just tied to like a a rugged piece of wood and a rope, like it's just a a general rope holding this this eight hundred maybe a thousand pound elephant there that could easily break the rope if it really wanted to. Have you seen that? Uh, well, I haven't been to a circus like ever. Oh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> gotcha. maybe once, but I get the analogy right where it's like. It's because the elephant was conditioned or believes mm-hmm. that it can't break through, and therefore, because of the, the, those beliefs, it just stays tied to the rope, even though the rope is um, would snap in a twig, right? So yeah, yeah and I and I think that that's like very powerful because that's what a lot of people do with their businesses is they start and if they're not thinking in the future, if they're not thinking about what it could be, they're stuck in this. Tiny, tiny, tiny box. They're limiting or... their growth potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, they they can't break free of the rope. They they're they're stuck behind, and they could go so many more places, but they're stuck there because the rope that um, that they had tied to them early on in the business um, is still making them think that they have to stay there. Yeah, it's like you, you can't – your business will never grow to a, a $10 million business or a $100 million business or um, you know a billion-dollar business unless someone, you, the owner, has the vision that this is even possible. You know, I, I've worked for some, some big organizations, and I mean anyone who looks at my – it's called a U4 uh, or U5, which is like my – work history as a financial advisor, you'll see that I worked for Schwab, TD Ameritrade. And I remember when I first started at Schwab uh, at the very beginning, you know, their their goal was to have $3 trillion in assets. And mm-hmm. at the time, they had like less than a trillion dollars uh, in assets. And, and now they're like way, they're, they've way outgrown that. But people, yeah. they thought it was like a joke that that they, they were going to ha- be that big. And now they're like, they're like one of the biggest behemoths in, in terms mm-hmm. of custodian financial assets there is in the world, yeah. right? So, yeah, if if you don't have the vision for yourself, nobody else is going to have it for you. So mm-hmm. that's just uh, – you have to have that vision to believe that you can get to those levels. Um, I'm not saying be like, you know, pie in the sky, believe everything is great and not sure. have a realistic plan to, to get there, but – if you don't have that vision or, or can't think that big, never going to happen. Mm-hmm. What are some exercises that business owners can can take to begin, uh, you know, go, goal setting, goal planning, or um, preparing for 
growth and scalability and ultimately, you know, sellability or some sort of exit. Yeah, I think it really goes back to like, why, why are you even in business? And I know it's such a basic question, but I know you and I talked about this before we even started this podcast. Why do you want to get into a podcast? Why do you want to do this? Right. And it's really your why you got to start there. Like why, why do you do anything now? Mm -hmm. If I asked you that, you know, multiple times, well, uh, I want to, to build wealth. Well, why do you want to build wealth? Well, I want to build wealth because I want to be able to do X, Y, it doesn't matter what it is travel. Um, ultimately, usually it's, if I keep asking, it's going to get to something about your family and yeah, I'm doing this because I, I want to spend more time with my family. But the, the irony is the more time you spend in your business, the less time you spend with your family. Uh, interesting contradiction there, but we'll, we'll yeah. discuss that <laughs> another day. But ultimately, generally, we'll, most people, it'll get back to their family. Okay, well, why is spending time with your family so important, right? And ultimately, this will go to your, what is your scarcest resource, which is your time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and your purpose and your sense of identity. So when you really dive really deep into why you're doing all these things. I mean, if you're going to to build a, a building, you might as well build the best damn building you can, can possibly make, right? Yeah. While you're at it, I mean, you, you're already going on that journey, you know. Uh, would you rather have a business that makes you half a billion dollars in revenue or, or $5 million in revenue? I'm already going to mm-hmm. show up every day to work, right? Uh, <laughs> might, might, might as well build it higher. Might yeah. as well get a reward from all of that. And that's yeah. really what what we're talking about here. When we talk about starting yeah. at the end in mind and, and really diving into your why, why you do all these things, don't just answer it once. Literally answer that five five times. That's probably one of the best things you can do. You know, call it the five whys. I do this in personal finance all the time. The five whys. Like really dive into why you are doing all these things. And once mm-hmm. you know why you're doing all these things, it is so much easier to have a lens for, you know, what's the connection between your business, money, and your why. And so at first it may not be that obvious to you, but when you go through that exercise, I think it'll really give it, the feedback I always get is like, wow, I I just, nobody put it to me like that before. You know, Mm -hmm. the reason I build a business and build wealth is because I want to spend time with my family. But if I don't build a business that allows me to spend time with my family, then why am I even building this business to begin with? It's just busy work, right? You own a yeah. job, not not a business. So mm-hmm. that's where it, uh, it always starts. And that's why I'm really happy that in our first kind of full episode, we're, we're really diving into why, right? Mm-hmm. Start at the beginning. Start with the end in mind. You know, what, what, are, we, what are we even doing here? So... Um. So I was I was also thinking about in like social media marketing, people always focus on these vanity metrics, like how many likes they get, how many followers, which doesn't really tell them anything because it could be likes from people that aren't going to be customers, followers of bots or or whatever. Um, what are some false metrics when planning your business that a lot of people get caught up on? Um, but if they would just ignore those or just not focus on them, they'd be much more successful. Sure. This reminds me a lot of 
I'll take it from James Clear's book, which is um, not High Performance Habits. That's uh, uh, Brendan Burchard. Atomic Habits. Yeah, Atomic Habits. That's right. Mm-hmm. So he talks a lot in that book about you know building habits. And early into the book, he even gives the, the example like personal finance. And he's talking about, you know, are you doing the habits that build wealth? So um, there are things that are outside of your control, right? I talk about this with, with clients all the time, right? Um, you don't control tax rates. Congress does, right? You can do tax planning and minimize mm-hmm. your lifetime tax liability, but you don't actually control tax rates or um, inflation. You literally have zero control over inflation, okay? Um, market returns. You have no control over the returns the market's going to provide, okay? Now, you can control how aggressive or conservative you are, right, how much of those gains you're going to get, but you cannot say, Matt, I'm going to get 20% returns because I decided I'm going to get 20% returns. Like, it doesn't work that way, right? Uh, The market may return 5%. That's just what it is, right? So you don't control. There are certain things that you control. There are certain things that you don't control, okay? And so... Uh, the reason I mention all this is, um, you uh, take me take me back for a second. Where 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 were we starting? What was the question? Oh, uh, metrics, uh, metrics, false metrics. Yeah. False so metrics. the reason that I'm going down this this path is is you want to identify the habits and the that get you to the results that you're looking for. So from that book, uh, Atomic Habits, are you? And, and he's using the example: Are you saving money every month? Saving money and investing, right? Ultimately, if you do that over a long period of time, the law of large numbers, law of averages, you will likely build a lot of wealth, probabilistically mm-hmm. speaking. Okay, Odds are in your favor as long as you do the behaviors, right? Now, at any one moment, point uh, in time, you know, let's say, for example, last year uh, in 2020 where the S&P 500 was down uh, almost 20%. Well, in that snapshot – you may your net worth may be down if it's let's assume it's for example all in the S&P 500 your net worth is down 20% but does mm-hmm. that mean that that you were doing the wrong things all year no. no you could still be putting money away consistently and ultimately that will build the wealth so mm-hmm. when you you get to the question of kind of like false uh positives or, or false signals or false metrics that people look at um sometimes it, it's really uh profitability is actually a big one most owners obsessed about profitability like how profitable is your company and because you're focusing on profitability you're not focusing on value building okay because okay. if you're just doing things to boost profits let's say that is less spending on R&D or less spending uh, on your systems, right? You let your, your systems kind of decay or what have you. Well, yeah, your profitability might be higher in the short term, but you're actually destroying your value, right? So it's not all about profitability. It's about the process that builds value. And if you do that consistently, probabilistically speaking, you're going to build a very valuable business, right if you focus on building value but if you focus on uh, chasing short-term profits well your profit numbers can be manipulated a lot of different ways so i would say that one of the biggest things is not focusing don't always just focus on profitability focus on the process that builds value and if you do that eventually 
probabilistic, you will actually build so much more wealth than you could possibly even imagine than if you just mm-hmm. focus on on year to year profitability, right? And that's why there's like adjusted EBITDA, right? Um, EBITDA uh, earnings before interest depreciation, taxes, uh, and amortization, right? Versus the adjusted is like take out those one one item, one off items, right? So um, that's why they adjust. All these numbers can be adjusted, and anyone who knows anything about business, when they're looking at buying your business, they'll look through all the BS. I mean, they will look through and they'll say, "Uh, why, why did you stop investing in this? You know, for the last two years, right?" Because usually they'll look at three years of financials. So, um, most savvy, uh, sav- most business buyers are pretty savvy. Anyone who's going to take a look at your books is going to know what they're looking for, and if you do these kind of short-term tricks, you're just going to set up red flags in their mind and makes them actually value you less. So mm-hmm. again, uh, I guess if you wanted to kind of go again, going full circle, best thing you could do is focus on the value that builds, pro- uh, build focus on the process that builds value. Don't just chase profits. And while sometimes these things are aligned, sometimes they are uh, not aligned perfectly. And, I would uh, you know, encourage you to focus on building value over chasing your short-term profits. And I mean, if you need money, you need money, right? I mean, right, that's just part of any business, but that w- that's what I would say overall. Cool. Um, as, we, as we wrap up, what's a quick recap for the top, let's say three things that listeners should should take away with what we talked about today. Yeah. Big three takeaways. Number one, start with the end in mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. No one's going to have a, a, a vision for your business bigger than what you can envision for yourself. That's number one. Number two, you want to ask yourself why the five whys ask yourself, why are you, you're building this business? What do you really want to get out of it? And why ask yourself that five times in a row. Uh, to really get at the heart of the connection between the activities that you do on a day-to-day basis and the results of why you got uh, of your day-to-day business operations. And then the next, the, the last thing, item number three, is um, focus on the habits that build value. Don't just focus on profitability. And if you do those three things, you will start building a well, probably, I don't know what your business is right now, but probability is you're going to build a pretty awesome business. And I, I'd yeah. really like to, to hear more about uh, how that's helped you. Sweet. Awesome. awesome. Well, well, I think that's the episode. We'll see you next time. Um, but until then, stay focused, stay driven, and keep building that business you've always dreamed of. We'll see you next time.